Ontology, The Waystation of Red Pill Sanity Written by William Leo Translated by Deep L and a Human Read for you by Eric, Jenny, Mia, and many other bots Previously in the Ontology podcast series There is no directionality in evolution, no directionality in the unknown the one that maintains the most diversity will inherit the future, because although it will lose some things, it will not lose everything. The most homogeneous part seems to enjoy a long period of peace and prosperity, but in a single crisis it will be wiped out. The areas most prone to mass extinction are the most homogeneous. What we consider as civilizational progress in modern times has actually increased our vulnerability, rather than reduced it, in evolutionary terms. Season 3 Pandemics and Beyond Episode 3 The Vaccines Vaccines are an alternative to death, but they are also not as safe and progressive as many of us now imagine and as various mainstream media outlets propagate. They always have a price. In fact, from a technical point of view, the safety of vaccines, like the toxicity of chemicals, cannot be absolutely guaranteed, but with only a relative and varying degree of safety. No available vaccine can be said to be completely safe, but only safer than other things. Older vaccines seem safer because it has been in use for decades, and people have experience with it. Anything new is medically unsafe, even if it's been through phase 3 trials simply, because it hasn't been applied before, and certain consequences don't actually show up until decades later. You don't know exactly what consequences might surface decades later. It's very likely that this is the case, for example, that the current new COVID vaccines will develop certain consequences decades later, like glucocorticoid therapy or radiation therapy. This is the case with every new treatment in the history of medicine. Whenever a new treatment comes about it tends to be overused because people are not aware of its side effects. After a few decades, those first batch of unlucky victims of the side effects are gradually forgotten and side effects are revealed, new boundaries are established as to which ailments are worth the risk of the side effects and which are not. For example, if you have cancer, receiving a little radiotherapy is worthwhile, otherwise, you would die. But with a common disease like ossifying myositis only, it is not worthwhile to use radiotherapy, because other less radical treatments can also work. Boundaries are formed in this way. The problem is at what cost are these boundaries formed? It is at the cost of those who are unlucky and sacrificed when the new treatment first came out. As a novel thing, the mRNA vaccine is bound to have corresponding problems that will surely show up decades from now. Moreover, it has been inoculated on such a large scale. This is a typical human mentality. At first you are afraid to die a miserable death without vaccination. You consider yourself mistreated if you don't get the vaccine, and those who do are privileged. A few decades later, you take it for granted that you're still alive, and that the society and the world as a whole are obliged to keep you alive up to a ripe old age. Then when you realize others don't suffer from side effects but you do, you start to blame the government, the society, and the world for having wronged you. That's how people usually think and act. It will probably happen in the future, whether in Israel or somewhere else. And you can't really rule it out that the Pfizer vaccine or some other vaccine which is considered safer now won't instead prove to be something more dangerous in the future. It's not only to do with the nature of the vaccine itself, 
but it's also influenced by the various processes that go into making it. For example, new vaccines are now often made using nanotechnology, the consequences of which in the human body are still unpredictable, but the chances of something going wrong with them are staggeringly high. Nanotechnology has just been born. Everybody predicts that in the future it will be possible to treat cancer and other fatal diseases with precision, but in fact, after entering into the human body, if not managed well, nanoparticles are prone to be a source of irritation for massive sclerosing diseases like ossifying myositis. I can imagine that if such a technology is applied in China in a similar way as Chinese-produced penicillin, there's really no telling what the results would be. The birth of new COVID vaccines was an accident in medical history. They were using this new vaccine development method to produce flu vaccines, and it would have been years before the flu vaccine would have been made in a step-by-step -step fashion. Then suddenly a coronavirus came along, and the bigwigs in the medical profession used the same experimental method for the flu vaccine in the production of the coronavirus vaccine. As it turned out, the coronavirus vaccine production requires relatively low-tech, so they were able to produce a vaccine in such a short period of time. In terms of the usual process of vaccine development, it should be considered a miracle in the history of medicine that a new vaccine with a very high degree of potency emerges within a year or two of a new disease. This miracle is due to the fact that the corresponding process for the mRNA vaccine was already well established during the prior development of the influenza vaccine and only required a temporary transfer. So compared to the various new drugs and vaccines that have been developed in the history of medicine, the current vaccine should be considered relatively safe. But it is not so safe that it is absolutely free of side effects, which can only be accurately determined after they have already occurred. In a country like the United States, for example, with great religious diversity, the number of people who are vaccine-skeptical is very large. The Biden administration, unlike the Trump administration, has been more aggressive than the Trump administration in pursuing pandemic control measures and is very keen to achieve herd vaccination. However, the US government does not really have the power to do so, so the mainstream media are supporting the government measures to emphasize the safety of vaccines and the need for everyone to be vaccinated to combat the plague. This practice does not take into account whether the new vaccines would have other side effects in like 20 years' time. This is actually something that the vaccine developers or scientists could not foresee. Vaccines introduce new unpredictability while protecting humanity. The fate of humanity is always a difficult balance between different risks. The removal of risks on one front usually means increased risk on other fronts. This is the same with vaccines as all new therapies. So from that perspective, annoying as the rejection of vaccination by many people in the US to the Biden administration, in longer terms, say, 50 to 100 years time, it probably will turn out to be a more favorable situation for the United States than Israel or elsewhere in the world. For example, Israel has almost achieved universal vaccination, whereas the US would have a large population not vaccinated, so the US would retain more diversity than Israel. In the short term, the US would appear to be worse off than Israel in terms of resistance to this particular pandemic, because Israel is able to vaccinate the entire population, whereas the US cannot. But because the US can't do that, and because the US population is so diverse, they have more options than others in the event of plagues, just as they do in their previous political, economic and social choices, which means, to human beings, who are always facing the unknown the chances of survival are actually increased. 
no one really knows which side is the best. You might have succeeded in warding off the danger from one side only to increase the danger from another side. Who can tell which choice is the better one? On a sufficiently long-term timeline, it's about dividing your eggs as diversely as possible, not in one basket, but in as many baskets as possible, and then you will have the greatest advantage. The more you concentrate your eggs in one basket, the more successful you are in a specific direction and in a specific time frame, then the more likely you are to lose heavily in other directions and in other time frames. Of course, politicians and opinion leaders typically argue about immediate and specific issues, such as which vaccine is better, whose vaccine is safer, how we should import vaccines as soon as possible, and so on. But in the long run, say, in 50 years, these issues are largely negligible. In a 50-year time frame, genetic diversity is the main guarantee of safety. From a national and financial point of view, the centralized welfare states financed by the government should be replaced by a pluralistic social welfare system run by a variety of religious and social groups and consortia, both for profit and non-profit. In this way, the nation and the society can ensure maximum security. Dealing with the unknown is the ability and specialty of the ruling class. The people or the ruled are lucky in that they can leave the hassle of making decisions to the ruler and thus deal with less of the unknown. In fact, one's social ranking depends on one's ability to deal with risks. What makes the employer different from the employee? The employer bears the cost of failed decisions, whereas the employee, being risk-averse, has a fixed wage to draw every month. Likewise, the difference between the leader of a country and the ordinary people is the same. A democracy is not the same as a monarchy in that it requires the people themselves to have the qualities of a ruler. This is the reason why, despite its many advantages, democracy is not easy to maintain, because the people often do not possess this quality. It is the quality of dealing with problems in the midst of the unknown. You must know that, with the benefit of hindsight, everyone's decisions are full of mistakes because they were made with incomplete information. By the time all information is complete, it is too late. You must constantly make decisions in the midst of the unknown and bear the cost of the unknown. This requires, firstly, that the elite class has the kind of helmsmanship that is required to master the unknown and manage risk. The ability to steer cannot be taught in a sailing textbook, just as your ability to swim cannot be taught in a swimming textbook, but can only be developed through practical exercise. And practical exercise is brutal, meaning that some of those who fail are buried forever in the deep sea. And successful captains and sailors are trained in such a way that there is no way you can become an elite and a ruler without being trained in such a way or without suffering such losses. Therefore, you have to preserve this aspect of your loss as the most valuable part of your life. Secondly, even in democracies, there will always be a distinction between the elite and the periphery. And the main political virtue of the periphery is to exercise the same trust in their elites that a wife has in her husband. If you trust that your husband can't be making mistakes intentionally, that the mistakes he does make others would make in the same circumstances, and even greater ones, then your marriage is solid. If, on the other hand, you do not have such trust and only trust the ruler when things are going well and he is able to keep serving you beef, and if you abandon your ruler and elite immediately in case of any failure or disaster, then the state is unstable and can easily be destroyed at a critical moment. The feudal bond of trust between the elite and the masses is a litmus test of a nation's ability to cope with risk and the extent to which it can cope with it.
Thank you for listening. This is a podcast series produced by Luminous Society. Luminous Society provides you with an alternative historical narrative.